one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I was told by my legit mates in wrestling, people hate you or people will hate you. I was like, why? And they were like, you'll find out. How are you feeling about North at the minute? <laughs> so are we uh, shoot the promo, or do you want me to actually tell you what I feel? Because if you want me shooting, then I'll tell you exactly what I think of North, what I think of the moron punters that go to North, and you can turn the radiators off, you can save on the heating, because <laughs> I'm about to get hot. Look at Shreddy. Imagine being a promoter and not pulling the trigger on this. Bowers should be taking Brit Rest into a gold rush. It's like he's walking down the street and he's just found a bag full of 20 pound notes. He's like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't want that. I don't want that money. He just keeps walking past. How are you feeling about those sort of chants? Why are you asking stupid questions? Why are you asking stupid questions? Is that what you came down here for? This great white is surrounded by a sea of stupidity. And that stupidity is the North fans singing the silly little songs, throwing the toilet roll in the ring. When I'm up there, beating fools down. It pisses me off. Everybody at North wants to start calling Shreddy f but maybe I'll start acting like that and get all the opportunities that I do deserve. It's a rare live in-person visit to Cultaholic Island, and today it's Shreddy! Is that the hard cam? Is that what we're That's working that, to? That, we're working to the hard oh, cam, brother. Hard cam working to the hard cam, brother. Welcome to Cultaholic Island. This is something we've been trying to get in the books for a few weeks now. It is. And we finally made we it Keep out. getting bummed, keep getting bummed. <laughs> oh, I know my place in the canton. Now I know how Mike Bennett felt last yeah. week when he kept doing it. Um, phenomenal wrestler. Some might say. N- not long into the game. Not that long now. Uh, Bodybuilder extraordinaire with plans on Mr. Universe. Yeah, that's right. Yep. But more importantly, what's your best Pokemon? Best Pokemon. <laughs> best Pokemon. Char- Got to be Charizard, hasn't it? Why is it Charizard? Because he's the daddy. Just like Shreddy. The Jack <laughs> daddy. You think Pokemon, you think Charizard. Do you though? Because I would, because surely Pikachu is the, the, I think, okay, the, so I the think, profile, the, the stereotypical yeah, Pokemon. That. I think when it comes to Pokemon cards, you instantly think. Right. Right. When you were a kid, we probably <clears> can all relate to the story. There was always some kid in school, on the schoolyard, oh, I've just got a Charizard, but my mum won't let me bring it to school. Because <laughs> it was the rarest cards. Like, that's what so were you the kid say. that had the Charizard that his mum wouldn't let me to school? I never had a Charizard until quite, I had to do a lot of trading to get a Charizard. I wasn't lucky enough to pull one as a kid from a pack. 
But I did get one. I did get one in the end. Who was the kid in your school that wasn't allowed to bring his child? Oh, so Can we name called, him? I will name him because I don't even know him anymore. <laughs> but there was a lad called Mark who had another, he had a sister two years older than us. And he was the kid who had a Charizard, but his mum wouldn't let him bring it. So I was like, ah, can we swear on this? I don't know if we <laughs> Yeah, of course you fucking can. Get fucked, Mark. You never had a Charizard. <laughs> Frick. Mark's the first one buried yeah, by yeah. Shreddy on Desert Island. Yeah. <laughs> I brought that shovel with me. Hashtag, hashtag get fucked, Mark. Yeah. Get that trending. <laughs> um, po- now, for those who don't know, obviously, because you, especially during lockdown, you did loads of videos about uh, Pokemon cards and the collection yeah, of cards. Yeah, yeah. It's big business, isn't it? I thought you were going to say, for those who don't know, this is Shreddy. Oh. That's what, I thought, gonna, that's what I thought you were building. People are going to get to know okay, you. Getting to know oh, you. But more, more the, the, the whole idea of like, because I've, I've known you for years and yeah, we're going to yeah, order yeah. into you and uh, but the the Pokemon card game uh, and the collecting of them and and, the, and that sort of thing it's, it's big business isn't it? It is, yeah. So during lockdown, just like t- talking about wrestlers in particular, I think every wrestler, or at least all like my friends in wrestling, when lockdown came and we hadn't didn't have wrestling, we all found something different to do. So like, lo- I noticed loads of people started streaming and yeah. doing like Twitch and things like that. Um, I started doing videos on Pokemon cards um, just because we had all this free time that wasn't being occupied by wrestling. Um, so I started doing stuff on Pokemon cards because, yeah, I've been into collecting. When I was a little kid, then I got back into it when I was a student at uni. Um, and then I've kind of been on and off with Pokemon ever since then, really, but lockdown, nothing else to do. Kind of got back into Pokemon in like a bit of a heavy way. What got you into it when you? What got you back into it when you were at uni? So what got me back into it was so I never really fully grew out of Pokemon. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, so I was like a nineties kid. So I was eight, nine year old when Pokemon first came out. Played Red and Blue and Yellow. Played Gold and Silver, which is known as like Gen <laughs> One and Gen Two. And I stopped at Gen 2. Then they made like more Pokemon games. Then they remade Pokemon Red and Blue for the Game Boy Advance when I was I was still in school at the time, I was being maybe 14 or 15. And I was like, right, this is what's got me back into Pokemon. But what got me back into collecting was when I was a student at uni and I came across my old childhood Pokemon cards, looked up what they're worth on eBay, rather than wanting to sell them, something clicked in my head. I was like, right, they don't cost that much money. I can start completing the sets I never had as a kid. So I started buying some cards, selling some cards, and then just got back into collecting, but kind of buying and selling on eBay to help grow my own collection. And I did that heavily from about 2008 till 2013 or 14. Then I kind of completed all of my collection goals. I'm not saying I had the biggest collection in the world, because I don't. But you had your own goals that you set. I pretty much was like, all right, I'm done. I'm happy with that collection now. So there wasn't really as much left for me to buy. I didn't have the interest there to be, you know, buying and selling as regularly because I pretty much had everything that I wanted within reason. Mm. And then I'd buy little bits and pieces here and there over the years. But yeah, what got me back into it originally was just, I came across the cards in uni, saw that there was a way for me to complete some of these cards, collections that I didn't have when I was a kid for fairly cheap started buying and selling them and I was able to kind of use that money to just fund the growth of the collection and 
Yeah, and because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and because you're a nerd. Short answer because I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, without being ghost about it, because obviously, you know, Logan Paul is is someone that collects them as well. Yeah, in fact, yeah, I think yeah. it was WrestleMania where he had like yeah, his card. The, uh, I think it was an illustrated Pikachu. Um, yeah. PSA 10, yeah. I think like one in the world or something or two in the world of those. And he had one of those too. He came out with one of them. Like, yeah. What a flex. As, I was going to say, as a, as, a, as a wrestler and a Pokemon fan. I'm like a Poundland Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a dude. I've never been on Dreamery. I don't have the PSA 10 Illustrator Pikachu. But I have all the same interest as Logan Paul. Just I've got a lot less followers and a lot less money. If you were going to do a WrestleMania entrance with a flex of one of your Pokemon cards, which one would it be? Ah, uh, so one of two cards it would be. No, one of three cards. My personal favourite sentimental card is probably the first edition Charizard I've got. It's not PSA 10, so it's not worth loads. It's PSA 7. Um, and I had that when I got back into collecting kind of as a uni student. Uh, it'd be maybe that. It would maybe be a PSA 10 Shining Charizard, which is an expensive card. Or it wouldn't be a card. It would be a briefcase. Briefcase wanker. It's a Team <laughs> Rocket 20th anniversary, um, like Japanese promo uh, set that they did black briefcase got the red team rocket uh, logo on there but it's got two promo cards in there um, very rare like very limited um, like runs of these cards but the artwork is like there's a Giovanni card is probably my favourite artwork in Pokemon ever came out I think in 2016 it was the 20th anniversary um, like edition collector's set thing um, so I would maybe just come out with that and kind of use the briefcase as a weapon. Use his weapon. There you go. That's genius. There That's genius. Go. I like the fact there'll be people listening who are wrestlers, wrestling fans, and also Pokemon fans. and Also known as fucking nerds. Fucking nerds. <laughs> All welcome here. Yeah. But we are here to talk about wrestling. In particular, three wrestling matches that you, Shreddy, would watch while stranded on a desert island. So yeah. matches many promotion, anytime, anywhere. Don't have to be five-star classics or six in the Tokyo Dome. They can literally be matches that have a special significance to you yeah uh, what would you like your first one to be so the one that always jumps out to me is and this is probably going to be like there'll be wrestling fans um groaning as i'm about to say this <laughs> would probably be the wrestlemania 2000 main event <gasps> the fatal four-way and the reason for that is that time frame of wrestling for me is very sentimental because I've, I'm like one of seven kids. I've got two brothers, four sisters. My brothers are a lot older than me. So I remember when I was getting into wrestling as a kid, um, my oldest brother would watch wrestling with me. Now he's a lot older than me. When I was a kid, he was up going drinking. So like that shows you the age gap between us. But on the run up to WrestleMania 2000, he would cut his nights out with his mates drinking short. He'd be out on the piss, you know, he'd cut that short to be home on a Friday night to watch Raw on Sky Sport at 10 o'clock with me oh. on that build up to WrestleMania because he was just as invested as me as a little kid. And I remember he taped WrestleMania 2000 on like VHS tape for me. I woke up Monday morning, which was a school morning, fast forwarded straight to that main event and we watched it before I went to school that morning. Brilliant. Well, I mean, I have, we can talk more about the match and break that. I know the WrestleMania 2000 main event is considered like not one of the worst matches, but kind of underwhelming for a lot of wrestling fans but there's so much like that time like that is what caps off a very sentimental kind of time for me because of like that interaction I had with my brother and watching I just got so many good memories of being at school playing the Smackdown games play I like just that time frame 
I'm very nostalgic for. And at the time, The Rock and Mick Foley. The Rock is probably my favorite wrestler ever. Mm. But when I was a kid, The Rock and Mick Foley were me two guys. I remember asking for either The Rock's book or Mick Foley's book as a kid for Christmas. Different brother, not the one I watched wrestling with, but one of my other brothers. Christmas morning, I knew it was a book so I could feel it. <laughs> Opened it. He got me both books. Oh. I had The Rock's book, Mick Foley's book. So it's just that entire time frame I'm very nostalgic for. And... Yeah, like very nice. And that, I kind of see that WrestleMania four way as being like, not the peak, because then you went on to Rock and Triple H, who had like a year long, pretty much a year long feud. Uh, and the Backlash match, the month after WrestleMania, that's when Austin did the run in and things like that. So I remember that very fondly as well. But that main event, because you had Mick Foley come, retiring, coming out of retirement, going back into retirement, Rock. Triple H, and then you just run me at Big Shaw in there as well, which is what it is. <laughs> it's one of those matches. It's it's as you say, it's a bit divisive because it kind of broke a lot of WrestleMania rules. Because for the long, I, th I think it was the first, first WrestleMania time walked out with the belt. First yeah. time he walked out with the belt. That's yeah. the big one. Um, it was the first time I think out, outside of WrestleMania one that. It wasn't a singles match that headlined WrestleMania. Uh, you could be right there, actually. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't think, but you're probably right. Because like, the triple threat match only really came into vogue in the WWF in 97. It was late in the night, and I think probably the first triple threat was at 20 with mm. Triple H. Uh, main event, sorry. I think the first triple threat... Mania main event will have been Triple H, Michaels and Benoit. Yeah, and that's 04. Because so I remember like... not long ago listening on Foley's podcast, he proposed to have a triple threat. I think it was Rock Austin. There might be a Mania 15. He wanted to be part of that mm. main event. And according to Foley on his podcast, Michaels was the one who said shouldn't be a triple threat. Not to bury Foley. It wasn't yeah, to like be like malicious to Foley. It was just like, ah, it should be a singles match. So they went with that. I think it was Rock and Austin at 15. And then fast forward to 2004, Foley makes a joke of it. And Conrad's asking him like how he feels about it. It was Michaels who was part of the first triple threat. <laughs> in Mania, like as a Mania main event. He chewed himself in there. Yeah, yeah. He got himself in there. Yeah. But I, I remember that time, there was a lot of nervousness because it was, Steve Austin was injured. Yeah. So the company were really nervous about that WrestleMania because yeah, their yeah. star draw wasn't there. It's, so well, if you look by overloading the, well, the, main, the main event, it kind of helps. Like, I think it's like, is that thing where they didn't have the big star? I mean, for me as a kid... I saw the Rock as like the big star. Yeah. But as you get older and you go back and like watch, like, you know, you, you hear more the financials and the business side. It's like, yeah, Austin was obviously the big star. But when you're a kid and you like the Rock's your favorite wrestler, it's like, oh, no, the Rock's like the main guy. But yeah, I can totally see that. Like, they had Austin gone. So it's like, right, rather than just having a singles, because Rock and Austin could have main evented easily. They'd already done it. They, could, they went on to do it the year after. The Mebbies didn't think Triple H was a big enough star yet to just have Rock mm. and Triple H as that, so they put a couple of stars in. Uh, and then there's the promo, um, the poster work and stuff. Of, I think it was meant to be Jericho. There was, yeah, the speculation. I don't know if that was instead of Foley or instead of Big Shaw, but there's posters of um, Jericho as part of that four-way. But I can't remember if he was meant to... I think it was instead of Big Shaw. Might, yeah, maybe. I can't remember who maybe. it is, but yeah, he was meant to be, which I didn't find out until... Years and years later. 
Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it was one of those things that was speculated that Jericho and Triple H didn't quite see eye to eye on a lot of things, which yeah. meant that he was sort of pushed out of that yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. What did Young Shreddy make of his hero, The Rock, losing at WrestleMania? I feel it. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> feel it. Like as a kid, like yeah, I say The Rock is you know like The Rock is my guy, but so as a kid, absolutely gutted. But then when you look back, The Rock lost a ton of big matches. Mm-hmm. Like The Rock lost. Don't think he'd ever. I might be wrong with this. I don't think he'd ever won a mania main event till he wrestled Cena, which was the Rock had pretty much finished his career, mm. and then he came back for that match with Cena because Rock Hogan wasn't the main event, as in the last match of the card. Yeah, so I think that was the first time he won against Cena. And his wins at WrestleMania in general were quite oh, few and far good. between. Yeah, they're not that good. You've got, I don't know what The Rock's first mania was. It was, oh, Rikishi, WrestleMania 13. The Sultan, yeah. Sorry, the Sultan. Um, he won that. Okay, so one. Then uh, it would have been 14. Against Austin and lost. Yeah, uh, was that 14? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking out of my backside. Yeah, yeah, it was 16. He, he lost. Uh, 15, 15. He faced Ken Shamrock. I've got a feeling he'll have lost against Shamrock. He, he lost, but then the ref reversed well, the decision. Was that for the icy belt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shamrock wouldn't let go of the, the ankle lock. Yeah. Then was it Austin the air after for the... Austin. Then the four-way. Four-way lost. Austin. He lost again. Hogan, Hogan won. won. Austin. Won. Evolution handicap match lost, lost. and so then one, then he vanished in 21. Then it was back at Tasina, then Cena, and then which for me, like I know The Rock came back, he won the belt and everything, but like for me, The Rock, The Rock's main runner, The Rock's main career finished in 2004, was it mm. when he lost to Goldberg? Yeah, that was his. That was his last. I mean, uh, other three, and he came back for the main. Yeah, he, he recently put something on Instagram where he. It was the anniversary of Rock versus Brock. It was like a six or a seven year career, and he was done. Yeah, and, and, it, was, and yeah. it was yeah, and he said like you know this was the last match, and yeah, I did yeah. the business on my way out. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the end of him as a full time wrestler, yeah, performer. Yeah, was, yeah, and then he came back in time to yeah. beat Austin, then lose to Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, and then it was just then sporadic. So on about so from there, slightly off topic, but still somewhat on topic. We'll do that a lot. Don't worry. What you said about <laughs> how did I feel when um, as a kid, uh, the Rock losing that mania when. Um, Goldberg debuted and ran, randomly I was talking this about to Alice like literally last week in the car she asked me like oh what did you think when Goldberg came against her I was like I didn't give a fuck about Goldberg coming in like the rock <laughs> my guy I wasn't a, I wasn't a WCW kid I was a WWF kid like I very rarely watched WCW as a kid not because I didn't like it because we didn't get it I didn't know where to watch it whereas WWF was like the biggest stars in the world to me so when Goldberg came in, I knew who he was, but I was like, I don't want to beat The Rock. He's not as good as The Rock. Yeah, that's what I was like. So I was like, I don't care about Goldberg. And then when he had his run for that like that year, like I was never bothered. I wasn't excited about him becoming champion because I much preferred Triple H over Goldberg. And so then you're was, kind of the archetype like fan that Vince McMahon always aimed the product at. Oh, 100%, yeah. Where like, if they haven't been that. here, then they haven't been anywhere. And so... I am 100% that I was when I was a kid. Yeah. Just like every other kid was my age. And if you say otherwise, you're bullshitting. <laughs> yeah. Like you look on Twitter and you'll see fans now going, like, oh, but this guy, this guy. When we were kids, at least in the UK, WCW was hard to watch. It wasn't like as readily available as what WRF was. Mm. Um, so we saw, like for me as a kid, and again, there's going to be fans out there groaning as I'm about to say this, 
the invasion storyline when I was a kid was class. Yeah. It was absolutely <clears throat> mint. When you go back years later and then you learn more, do we see W and I've watched it on YouTube and the network? It's like, I look back now, I'm like, yeah, it was shit compared to what it could have been. But as a kid, it was class because yeah. they were able, yes, it wasn't WCW, it wasn't ECW, but the Alliance, they were able to put the Dudley Boys there, ECW guys, they were able to put Rhino there, ECW guy. Stone Cold there is like the leader. Yeah, a bit silly, but they were able to just build a team of bad guys and a team of good guys. And as a kid, you always want the good guys to win. Like, Star Wars, my favourite character is Vader. But as a kid, you want to see Vader get beat. You want to see yeah. Vader get killed. As you grow older, you just want to go for, like, what's cool. But as a kid, and, you know, wrestling is largely aimed at kids a lot of the time, good guys and good guys and bad guys went done well. It works. It's mm -hmm. simple, but it works. Uh, what, was, uh, what was life like growing up in such a big family? Um... Because you mentioned earlier about how many brothers and sisters you've got. Yeah. That's of, a big family. One of seven kids. Um, what? Where are you in the pecking order there? Second youngest. Second youngest. Second youngest. And there's a big generational gap between... There's a sister two years younger than me, mate, a sister two years older. Then there's a big gap. Then there's another four kids. Mm. So my oldest sister, um, I'm not like... When I was younger, I'm not overly close to. Now I'm like closer with her. But when I was a kid, she'd already moved. She lived in a different town and things like that. I was really close with me, um, like my brother who watched wrestling because he was in computer games. He was into wrestling. So I was like, when I was a kid, I was like his shadow. And a lot of what I'm into now, he's grown out of it now, but I'm still into the stuff I was when I was a kid. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think a lot of the things I'm interested in now it's because my brother got me into it and I just never grew up with us. Was it, was it with terms of parents and stuff with so many kids? Is same there, parents, yeah, same yeah. for them. Yeah, for is, it, them. Is, it, is, it a, is it a fight for attention at that age or um, is it something that you noticed? I wouldn't say fight for attention. No, I don't think I ever, I think because there was that generational gap. There was such a gap between. It was them. like there was three kids, which I think was pretty manageable for me, mum and dad. So yeah. we, I, I never felt like, I, was, I wasn't one of these kids who was like, I need the attention of my mum and dad. Like, I always felt like I got that attention, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So was it a case of, you know, if it's not me, Brian, it was a case of like your mum and dad had three kids, mm -hmm. took a long break from it and went, you know what, I think I think once some more. I think the pros just wanted more benefits, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think those child tax credits run out. So they're like, right, we need to review this. Let's cha -ching, cha -ching, cha -ching. Um, I think it's me mum is just one of these women who is just a natural mother. <laughs> the honest answer is the benefits. Yeah. That's the honest answer, but I'll give the more PC answer if you She's like. She's a natural mother. She's a natural mother. She's very lovely, our Linda. No, I think genuinely my mum is just one of, because we've got grandkids in the phone. I don't have kids. They won't be getting grandkids off me. But my brothers and sisters have got kids and mm. stuff now. And my mum, if she's not looking after kids, I think she's bored. Yeah. Like, so she's just one of these women who, and it, so my mum was one of seven as well. She was the oldest one. So I think she was brought up raising her siblings. Mm. She had my oldest sister like when she was 19, 20 year old. So I think it's just, she's kind of like that, got that mater was maternal instinct or something. Yeah. I think she's just like that natural mother. So I think that's why I had as many kids as what they had. And then we've got grandkids now. My mum love, like, loves looking after the grandkids. So I think uh, I think that's why there's so many of us. Why was you, Why was your reaction to not having kids like the crumple of the face, pushing up the ah, hands? I just, I, I mean, and there's no wrong answer. Like, no, this no, no. Because like Alex and I, we go through this conversation. Yeah, Neither yeah, yeah. of us are in a position where we go, we don't really want kids ourselves. I just, so I get it. I'm just intrigued yeah, as 
yeah, why yeah. you're I not mean, there's probably the a deeper place. answer to this. I think because I grew up with a family, with parents, um, don't, I don't come from a privileged background at all. Like, don't get me wrong, I didn't grow up, what's the word? I didn't have a bad childhood because you hear stories of some kids, you know, being abused when they're growing up and things like that. I don't want to, for one second, paint out that my childhood was like that because it wasn't. But there was a lot of stuff that I probably missed out on when I was a kid for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's lack of money in the family, parents not being bothered to do stuff. I, I don't know what it is, but there was definitely things that, like, I wanted to do when I was a kid. My friends would get, my friends would be able to do. It wasn't a thing for me. So I think, like... That's maybe part of the reason. But then as I grew up, I almost look at my mum and dad and I think like as much as like they've dedicated their life to bringing, you know, seven kids up and raising kids and stuff like that, that life for me is no life at all. Mm. And there's not a right or wrong answer. This is just my take on it. I would hate to have the life that my mum or my dad has had because their life has just been looking after kids, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, raising a family. Whereas from a, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler. And I was told by my older sisters, that's stupid, you'll never be a wrestler. Or that's stupid, why do you want to be a wrestler? So from a very young age, I wanted to be a wrestler. Then when I was a teenager, um, I started lifting in the gym, I wanted to be a bodybuilder. And I was told, why do you want to be a bodybuilder? You'll never be a bodybuilder. It's like, yeah, I'm not a professional bodybuilder. I'm not like making a full-time living wrestling. So yeah, I'm, you know, what they've said is right. But the stuff I wanted to do when I was a kid... I had more than, like, I had an aspiration of more than just getting a nine to five and having a family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the things that I wanted to achieve with my life are probably quite selfish things. Like, bodybuilding is one of the more selfish lifestyles you can have. Is it? Um, yeah. With So, bodybuilding, in terms of the amount of time you've got to spend in the gym, the amount of time you've got to pre spend preparing food, the limitations. So, when I was young, so when I was 19, I stopped drinking. I've not drank alcohol since I was 19. Because the bodybuilding lifestyle doesn't go hand in hand with going out every weekend with your mates on mm. the piss. It's just going to be detrimental to that. Um, so the bodybuilding lifestyle is very selfish in the sense of like, if I need to be spending X amount of hours training, eating, preparing food, I can't do this because it will conflict with this meal times, blah, blah, blah. It's quite selfish. Wrestling, again, very time consuming. So from a fairly young age, like from a teenager, I just had no aspirations of wanting kids because what I want to achieve with my life whether I achieve it or not is irrelevant but what I want to aim to achieve I just think if I had a kid it would make everything so much harder if I was responsible for some you know raising a kid yeah it would just make everything else so much harder no I get that I totally get that um you mentioned about like when you were a kid you wanted to be a wrestler not obviously a lot of people watch wrestling not many people go on to do it yeah but what made you want to actually go I don't want to just watch this I want to be doing it I think because wrestling, and there's not a single moment, it's not like, oh, I watched this match and that made me want to be a wrestler. There's, there wasn't a moment of that for me. I think it's just because I loved it so much from a very young age. Like I said, I've got the older brothers. I never remember wrestling not being on in my house. I never mm. remember wrestling not being part of my life. Even when I was like three, four year old, I wasn't necessarily a wrestling fan at that young of an age, but I remember it being on. I remember the blue mats. I remember, you know, Undertaker, Bret Hart matches, Yokozuna coming out with the casket and stuff. I remember those moments, which happened in like the early 90s when I'd have been four or five-year-old or something. So I think because I was kind of, I always knew what wrestling was, that as I got a little bit older and I understood it more, I just, for whatever reason, I just became a wrestling fan. And I liked it so much I just thought I want to do that. 
And then you go to secondary school and a lot of my mates grew out of wrestling because it's not cool. Like when you're in primary school, it's the coolest thing. But then when you go to secondary school and say, oh, that's fake. Why are you watching that? And it's like not cool to like it anymore. I was one of the kids who stuck with it and I never grew out of wrestling. So I think it's just for a reason I can't really put into words. I just loved wrestling. And I was like, that's what I want to do. It's always the thing. It's always what beside you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the, was the only other thing bodybuilding? No, so bodybuilding I fell into because of wrestling. Um, and I've told this story loads of times on when I do like podcasts and stuff. And again, I think because I grew up watching wrestling, I just became conditioned to how wrestlers look. So mm -hmm. from a young age, it was like, when I was a kid, I didn't think Stone Cold was a jacked up guy. But you look back now and it's like, he's a big guy. Like he's not like got ripped abs and things, but he's like a jacked up guy. Triple H before his injury, The Rock, like these were all huge guys. And I just grew up like, well, that's what men look like. Mm. So I think from a young age, and then when I became a teenager and you said Batista, John Cena, it's like, oh, they're, they're clearly like muscle guys. From a young age, I was just conditioned to what wrestlers looked like. I want to look like a wrestler. So I started training and lifting weights because I wanted to look like a wrestler. But when you just start lifting weights, you don't have a clue what you're doing. So you go online, you read, right, how to put muscle on, how to get abs, how to get ripped, what do I need to eat, blah, blah, blah. By researching what I need to do with a diet, by researching how to lift, that's how I found out what bodybuilding was. And I was only looking for that, to look like a wrestler. So then when I found out about bodybuilding and how to train, you then get exposed to, oh, well, these are bodybuilders and these are what they look like. And then it's like, oh, well, that's a freaky look. So the more you get into it, the more time I was dedicated to the gym. I was like, oh, I'd like to give bodybuilding a go. I'd like to compete as a bodybuilder and see what it's like to get on stage, do a show. Can I be strict enough or dedicated enough to get on stage and you know do a bodybuilding show? So that's how I got into bodybuilding in a roundabout way because I started lifting weights like a wrestler to learn how to lift weights properly. You start researching it. I stumbled across bodybuilding. And then I just kind of fell in love with, you know, lifting and that whole lifestyle. With obviously the the physique is is something that wrestlers will have, like a bodybuilder style physique. It plays into that. Obviously the, the natural charisma to be a bodybuilder also comes from that as well. But are there any aspects in which the wrestling and the bodybuilding lifestyle don't really mesh? Oh, yeah. So as beneficial as lifting weights and looking good is for wrestling, because um, you hear that stereotype for years, don't you? Like... Vince likes the body guys and like... Big sweaty man. Yeah, big sweaty man. <laughs> it's one of those things like from a casual... It's maybe it's hard for like, you know, the cultaholic audience to appreciate because they're so ingrained in wrestling and they don't care what wrestlers look like because they just want the pure wrestling talent. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But if you take a step back and I think like the amount of friends who message me or people like in an office setting or a work colleague or whatever... And they'll say, oh, I saw this poster or they saw a clip of me or they'll see me sharing pictures. And they're like, you look like a wrestler. Mm. And that's not a knock on any of the other British talent I'm on shows with. It's just people. Because, and I think because of Dewey Dewey and how mainstream it is, they just have this preconceived image of what a wrestler, like the stereotype look of a wrestler, like yeah. someone with a bit of muscle, bigger than a, like a normal guy. That's kind of the look that you've got. If you were to describe what a wrestler looks like, you'd probably think of like, oh, well, Hulk Hogan or mm. something like that. That's just the stereotypical look. And that's because the casual fans, the casual, like a casual audience. So obviously lifting weights and looking in shape is beneficial for wrestling. But to compete as a bodybuilder, 
There's a difference between bodybuilding and competing as a bodybuilder. I would say competing as a bodybuilder is detrimental to wrestling because of how lean you get close to a show, how lethargic you are, how limited your food is. That 100%, I think, is detrimental to wrestling. And I think it's because you take it to the extreme. You can train and you can train like a bodybuilder or a powerlifter or whatever, and you can diet well to look good. But when you're getting ready for a bodybuilding show... I think at that point it becomes detrimental because you're spending so much time in the gym, so much time with your food. The mental focus is on this bodybuilding show. It just drains you mentally, physically. And at that point, I think it becomes detrimental to wrestling. Um, and one of the reasons, because when you get so lean and you're limiting your calorie intake, you're more susceptible to injury. Yeah. which obviously if you're lethargic, you're fatigued, that's no good for walking into a wrestling match or trying to perform on a wrestling show. So I think if you go to the extreme, which I obviously have done with bodybuilding shows, it is detrimental. So how do you balance it? Because I know you've done, I'm sure that you've done... Because I'm the jack stack daddy, <laughs> motherfucker. I'm the fucking best, you Because <laughs> I'm sure that you've done... Like, I seem to remember when you won um, uh, the, your NABBA trophy. Yeah. It was like on the back of, like, you came to a North show not long after that happened. Yeah, so... So you'd have gone through all the the, the, the training for that, yeah. then gone, oh, I'm wrestling, the, like, days later. Or so I'll top you with that. I competed in the NABBA Mr. Britain show this year. Yeah. In Bradford's. Won that show, so became NABBA Mr. Britain. Jumped in my car, drove an hour and 50 minutes, which I did in about an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Um, from Bradford to Newcastle to wrestle. So that show was literally, I was coming from a bodybuilding that show that hours I just after. I would like a couple of hours later, the show photos from that, I look like I'm a different ethnicity because of the bodybuilding. Like obviously yeah. there'll be a lot of people watching who don't follow bodybuilding. When you compete on a bodybuilding stage, you have to apply a lot of tan because of the lights above you just drown out your physique. Um, so you need to put the tan on to create the shadows and to, so you, your physique can come across on stage. So the tan is very, very dark. The tan doesn't actually set. You put it on and it doesn't, it's like an oil. It's a really mm. weird kind of texture and it's so, so dark. There's photos of me that day where I literally look at different ethnicity <laughs> because of how heavy this tan is. And it's the day of a bodybuilding show. So I'm so like striated, I'm so ripped. And then literally a week later, it's a completely different look because that look that you create on stage for a bodybuilding show isn't sustainable. Um, you you might spend two weeks messing about with your diet to just try and peak for that one day. And then two, three days later, you look like very different. So yeah, the bodybuilding stuff, like I said, there's a, I know a couple of years ago, you were ring announcing me at one of the North shows. Yes. I came out with a trophy because I'd compete, I think it was like a week or two weeks prior and then I think it was the week before I'd done the NAB in North Britain. Mm. And then this year, literally wrestled the same day that I did. Um, so was that the North show? show where was that a different company? It was... So a couple that run in Newcastle. So it was one called Prime. Prime. It was, I think that it was might this year. That was Prime. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where I wrestled the same day as I So how was that match though? Knowing that you've been on this sort of tweaked, stringent diet. Yeah. Doing this show and also quite drained from the whole experience. Yeah, yeah. How was that? The match night? was act the performance in that wrestling match was better than what it would have been if it was the day before. Because the day before I'd have felt depleted. Right. Whereas the day of the show, 
I'd carved up, I'd ate a lot. I was coming off this buzz of winning a bodybuilding show. I was eating, I had food in me, so I was ready to go. Ah, Whereas if right. it was the day before, it would have been a different story. Because that must then that must affect like personal life as well. If you oh yeah, massively. You know, you talk. You know, you got to you. You mentioned Alice, who's your partner, and uh, so sh she must be a great support during hundred percent. Like Alice is like the best person I've ever met in my life, and she is so supportive of wrestling, of bodybuilding, of letting me just get on. And like she knows like how much of my life this takes up. Mm. And to find someone who does support you so well. And like, I'm trying to chase my dreams. So having someone there to not just let you get on with it, but actually actively support you while you're doing that. To come to all the wrestling shows she comes to with me, she'll film all my matches so I can go home and watch them, send them to other wrestlers so they can critique them for me and get feedback, help me with my food prep, you know, absolutely. Like, yeah, I probably wouldn't be able to do all of this stuff without having her support there. Ah, uh, you need that. You need people like 100%. that. 100%. Everyone needs an Alice. Everybody needs oh, an Alice. Oh, that's nice, that. We're getting loads of phrases tonight. Yeah, it's fuck you, Mark, and everyone needs an <laughs> yeah. Alice. I'm just like walking through. <laughs> just all the catchphrases. Yeah. want to talk about how, like, you you got your, your feet interesting because you're not, in the grand scheme of things, you're not that long into no, not, your no. journey, and I want no, to no. talk about it. But before we do, we need your second match. We do. We need the second so match. The, so the fail four-way from WrestleMania 2000 was your first. Yeah. What's your second one going to be? So I know I've got two more matches to pick. Um, I'm going to go with in my head there's three there's three other matches I could potentially pick but I know I've only got room for two so I'm going to go <laughs> with Cena RVD from One Night Stand oh a fine shout it is it certainly why is. that one though so this for me it's the crowd that makes this match um this was obviously a time where Cena was Super Cena. Um, I look back now as an adult and a wrestler and stuff like that, and The Rock is my favourite wrestler as a fan, but Cena is probably maybe the person I've got most respect for in terms of him being... Now, because I, I can relate a little bit more with me being a wrestler myself. Mm. I have so much respect for Cena for what he went through getting shit on by fans every single night, but not like bitching about, like actually playing up to it and yeah. being able to thrive in that kind of, you know, that time. Um, Cena RVD is one of my favourite matches ever because when I was a kid, RVD coming through in the invasion instantly became one of my favourite wrestlers. Cena, when I was younger as a kid, I was one of these who were like, oh, Cena sucks, blah, blah, blah. He's getting rammed down with throws, blah, blah, blah. But now I look back at it and I'm like, yeah, Cena's the man. Like, Cena is so, so good. But Cena RVD was class because of the match itself from like a, like a wrestling match point of view. Really good, really enjoyable match. The crowd made it so much better. That arena, like if Cena wins, we riot signs. The crowd made the match. And because this was like RVD's time to become the man, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I know he wasn't like the face of the company, but he'd had um, title shots in, I think it was 2003, when he was like feuding with Triple H and things. There was a couple of times where they could have probably made RBD the champ. Whereas this was like, it, it, it was perfect. It was the ECW, um, pit, like the ECW pay-per-view, ECW arena. Hammerstein boring. It was just like his moments. Um, 
it was it's just it was class because it was good wrestling but it was good sports entertainment as well phenomenal sports entertainment. it was class i remember seeing her walking to the ring head down belt up yep cap all the way down and just vitriol yeah just pure hatred yeah from everybody and the other thing i equate it to was something that you and I were at just the other day. Yeah. Which was Clash the Castle in Cardiff. Yeah. There was even a, if Roman wins, we riot yeah. sign. Yeah. I think, the, so I've seen that sign. Obviously, the first time it was shown was at that ECW pay-per-view. I've seen wins, we riot. Then when Cena wrestled Edge at, I think it was, T, it was a TLC match. I can't remember the pay-per-view. It might have been, it was, I think it was before TLC. Whatever the pay-per-view was, it was a TLC match or a ladder match. If, I think it was, if Edge wins... We riot. I was seeing his hometown. And you just knew that that crowd is not going to riot. You just knew it. If Roman wins, we riot. Nobody rioted in Cardiff. My version was: if Roman wins, we write a strongly worded email. Yeah, we wrote a strongly worded tweet. Strongly yes, worded tweet. We'll put, we'll, if Roman wins, we'll write a pithy tweet about it. If Cena won at that ECW, <laughs> there would have been a riot. There would have been a riot. There oh. would have been fans going absolutely mental and that's what made it because that crowd was so visceral that crowd was so like i don't say they didn't give a fuck but that crowd would have done something that crowd mm. would have went mental it was just like it was that thing that you, you'll probably never be able to replicate or recreate that vibe like do you know what i mean i think they came close with something like clash the castle i don't think there was ever going to be a riot yeah 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 but in terms of that electricity yeah yeah, I would agree with that. That, that I was just, yeah. it was palpable. And yeah. it was, the difference being like, if if Cena, if Cena had won, as you say, there probably would have been chairs ripped up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been a scene. Um, I, I believe when Roman won at Clash of the Castle, it's certainly the crowd near me, it felt like, like, Losing five nil away, it like was, your team losing five. I haven't heard somebody just stand up and go, "Oh fuck off, yeah, yeah, fuck <laughs> off," as they were leaving. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, uh, was that sort of energy it of like classic. your team so lost away. Where I was set a clash, there was some Roman fans um, near us. So when Romans were entering, they were all like stood with the, oh. but the crowd was massive. I would say it was like in ninety or ninety five. I think on TV watching it, you wouldn't be able to hear any Roman chants. No, I had none. As you sat there, you see there's Roman fans around, which is fine. Like, you know, you you like who you like and stuff yeah. like that. And that's fine. But yeah, I agree. Like that vibe at Clash was totally a McIntyre. I marked out so much when Broken Dreams came on. Because oh, that's great. he obviously has been teasing this for months, like... And I remember, yeah, not years ago, but it was a while ago. He was like, he wants to bring that song back. Then he's been teasing it over the past few months. And one of my mates, who I used to go and watch house shows with, literally 12, 11, 10 years ago, he was there, but he sat somewhere different to me. As McIntyre was making his entrance, so I, it's, the old music hit, I was up singing along. Then my mate had messaged me saying, <laughs> I love McIntyre now, by the way, like, which is why I was marking out so much for him. But my mate messaged me and said, remember when this jabroni <laughs> job in a house shows, who would have thought he'd get jacked one day? And I looked at that and I just burst up laughing because it was like, fuck yeah, like McIntyre. I wasn't a really, McIntyre first time round was one of those guys who I just was like, eh, I don't really care about because of mm. how he was presented and booked. Like it wasn't because he was a bad worker or a bad wrestler. It was just, eh, I don't really care about the character like and i didn't really 
care about him 10 Didn't connect years ago. Yeah. at all. And McIntyre came out and said that, but I think looking back now, like he was a kid then. Like, mm. he was in his 20s, yeah, but he was pretty much a kid away. Now he's like, he's a man. And the development he's had, and it's like, he got sacked. He was like, fuck this, I'm going to do something. I'm going to show them that, like, what I can be. Work the indies. He was just finishing his indie run when I first started getting into wrestling myself. Mm. He had that indie run, became one of, like, the biggest indie stars, got signed by NXT again, went back to the main roster, and he's just been, like, upwards momentum pretty much all the way since then. And McIntyre is one of me, like, I always say to Alice, like, if I was booking WWE, McIntyre would be my face of the company, like, more so mm. than Roman. Like, I was, like, McIntyre would be the guy that I feature, you know, in that face. Um, in, like, would you have had him win on Sunday? Uh, so Saturday, I mean, sorry. Okay, so, yeah, I if I was in charge, yeah, I'd have had him won. Um, because Roman's had this like massive spree and he's so Roman was getting hated on before he came back as a heel and yeah. then he the turned him heel and like yeah he's now he's being he's like the biggest star in the industry he's done some class work but, but having this big event would have been like that fairy tale storybook end a bit like when RVD won at ACW exactly that was like right that's that moment that this would have been like it might have been an obvious win but would have been that feel good kind of happy ending to something but you hear rumours of they're looking to do Reigns versus The Rock at Mania. And it's like, well, if that's the plan and they know that they're wanting to get there, then it makes sense to have Roman continue that until he wrestles The Rock. Or if they want to put Cody in that position and make Cody the big star, then I can see why they didn't pull the... Like, I can yeah. see why they didn't have Roman lose if they want to do something else with them. But if it was up to me, yeah, I'd have had, I'd have had McIntyre. What about you? What would you have done? I, I picked, in the predictions, I'd have picked him to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as the night wore on, where like the, the crowd are so hot for it, yeah. they've got like people from SummerSlam 92 in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like <clears throat> the, all the clips of Drew growing a, up. On about um, <laughs> someone, I seen a tweet. It was a guy who would took his daughter to um summer slam 92 when yeah. she was obviously kids so his daughter then took him oh. and her daughter to clash at the castle like all these years later that's lovely so it was like the now the granddad's this 30 odd year old woman probably maybe he's 40 and then her little kid as well like that was oh, like, that's, that's, so good. that's like it was such a special night yeah, for yeah, so yeah. many reasons like that to have broken dreams in there even like the optics that us dickheads at cultaholic look for like shame has lost that means Drew's winning. Yeah, that yeah, means Drew's yeah, winning. Because yeah. if Sheamus had won, that should feel good. Yeah, all the optics pointed to holy shit, lads, Drew's yeah, winning. Yeah, yeah. And I got drunk on that idea. Yeah, and we, when it and didn't was, happen, yeah, we thought the same. Like we thought, oh, it's just a, it, we thought it was like before Undertaker lost that Mania Lesnar. Yeah, every year me and my mate used to make a joke like, oh, if we're gonna make someone, we'll just put a bet on Undertaker because it was just obvious. You just knew, oh, Undertaker's winning. Yeah, no matter what the build up was, it was like. Undertaker's winning. Put a bet on Taker. That's what it felt like going into this. It was like... Such a foregone conclusion. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And so then when, when it wasn't... It was fucking mental. Oh! Do you know what? I am so happy that I got got. But... I love that at this age, yeah. I can still be got. I think if I was watching at home, I'd have still enjoyed it. But being there live, I was able to like properly get invested in it. That but last near fall where it, was it just... Full oh. The full home stretch of that match yeah. with... It, it reminded me, and again, this is probably why I said Mania 2000 is me nostalgic. It reminded me, and I said this to my friends, it reminded me of like an early 2000s overbooked sport entertainment yes. where it was like, 
there were so many near falls that you literally bought into and like this is it then something else happens then there's a ref bump then there's a running then there's this then there's that and it was like all of these things happening but everything that came after it then escalated it and then escalated it and it was just that pure like entertainment like this is absolutely class so it was one of those things where it's like I never watch wrestling and get like you know People watch football and their team loses, and that's them pissed off for the rest of the weekend. I never watch wrestling. Like, if a wrestler I like loses, I'm never pissed off. I'm just like laughing, and I'm like, I appreciate that too. Yeah. So that's what I was like when Roman won it. When Roman won, it, and I was just like, I wasn't pissed off at all. I was just like, that was class. <laughs> yeah. It was like fair. it was just a class. Like it'd be, it'd be the same as if I was watching Star Wars, and yeah. so I'm a massive Star Wars mark. Obi Wan series earlier this year. Vader and Obi Wan had like a rematch. Are you a Star Wars fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so you yeah. Watched it all. Just oh, yeah. spoilers. Yeah, so it's fine. I've, yeah. I've seen Obi Wan. So, so they have the rematch. Yeah. So I thought, right, it's obvious Vader's gonna win this rematch. Obi Wan's gonna somehow escape, but like Vader's gonna come out on top, and he didn't. And I wasn't pissed off about that. I was just like, motherfuckers, they got me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I enjoyed it. I was entertained for what it was. They got yeah. And that's how I felt watching this McIntyre range, but it was class. It was absolutely class. It's great when they get you. Um, go back to the RVD Cena match. Yeah. Uh, so where would uh, Shreddy have been watching that for the first time? So I will have been, I'm trying to think where I actually was. So I remember. So 2006. Wrestle, yeah. WrestleManias back then, we would go around with one of my friends. I was all chipping and buy it, mm. but we didn't, we definitely didn't for this. I'll have probably just been at home watching it the day after it will have aired live. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just out home with your parents. I'll have been watch, watching that then. Yeah. And um, so by this point, your aspirations of being a wrestler were still very strong. So by this point, I'd already started training. And right. st- so I did my first wrestling training session. I was four, it was either 14 or 15 year old. I can never remember how old I was, but I was still in school. I was in the last year of secondary school. So I think I'll probably be in 15. Um, I found some local training company called 3CW. Do you remember yeah, 3CW? I remember 3CW. So it was 3CW. We were running training. I went. My dad took me and my friends. There was like four of us who went training. Took us to the first session. We all loved it. All enjoyed it. The second week, we got the bus there from Hartlepool to Middlesbrough. By the time we got the bus back, walked from the bus station home, Monday night, attended Tuesday morning. It was after midnight on a school night. I walked in, didn't have a mobile phone. Mum and dad, not me dad, but my mum went mental with me. <laughs> you're not doing this again, not on a school night. You're not, you're, that was it. So because you were back so late. Back so late on a school night. My mum probably started being killed or stabbed or murdered or something. And that was the end of wrestling for me. They wouldn't let me go back training. So I had... For like I say, from a young age, I wanted to do it and had literally trained twice. And my mum and dad put a stop to us. And that was the end of training for a couple of years. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So what made you, what, what got you back into it then? What made you so pick what got me back, back into it was a few years later when I was a uni student and I was a bit more independent, could go where I wanted, had like a little bit of money. I didn't have much money, but I had a little bit of money. Started training again in Middlesbrough. Was going well, trained for a few months. The two head trainers where I trained stopped training. Training then went from training to a group of lads messing about in a ring. And I very quickly, it, it's crazy because it very quickly soured me on wanting to be a wrestler anymore hmm. because it just became a group of mates. And I don't think any of those trainees actually went on to do anything in wrestling. But the two trainers were really good. They just stopped running the train for whatever reason. And what was left of train was just lads messing about in a ring. And I was like, this isn't wrestling train. This isn't going to get me anything. And at the time I literally didn't know anywhere else that offered training. So that was the end of wrestling again. I would have been 2021 at the time. What got me back into wrestling to where I am now, there was a NGW show running in Hartlepool. Me mate messaged me. So there's this local show. Can you want to go and watch it? I was like, oh yeah, we'll go and watch the wrestling. Went and go and watch that show. And then they were flying like on the seats in the, like in the venue and there was a Facebook page. So I follow them on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And they mentioned training and I looked to say like, oh, where's the train nuts? It was Chesley Street. So I looked at, all right, where's Chesley Street? Oh, so yeah, half an hour drive, start training and then here I am now. So that's what got me back to us. Because I found somewhere to train. Because NGW is kind of like a, a sort of a hangover from sort of the, the Butlins camp shows and stuff of, yeah, yeah, of years yeah. gone by, isn't yeah. it? So the one thing that whenever people have been on and talked about NGW is it's brilliant for getting reps. Yeah. So like you'll do like, like you, you'll go and do like five or six nights yeah. on a run or more. So I never had a full Butlins run with NGW, yeah. but I, I have done a few Butlins like shorter runs. So like a run might be say six shows a week. I would maybe go and do two on the bounce or three on the bounce one week and then head home and then the next week go back. So I never did like 
a full run of Butlins, like some lads done. They would do six weeks straight. I was never fortunate enough to be able to do that, but I have had time at Butlins doing that. It's nice we get to talk about them because I think a lot of a lot of um, uh, American wrestlers don't appreciate oh, the, don't know who they the, are, the yeah. power of the Butlins yeah. run in the oh, case yeah. that you'll get like five, six, seven days or more of wrestling night after night after night, sometimes twice a day. Yeah. And it's just like, Stereotypical good guy, stereotypical bad guy, just completely basics, build on those yeah. and just get your reps in doing it's that. It's just a funny audience. Really casual. lively, energetic yeah. crowd. It's a casual audience in the terms of there'll be people watching who aren't wrestling <clears> fans. They're just away in Butlins on the holidays. That night, are oh, the wrestling's the entertainment. The night before, might have been a singer. The night, mm. the next day might be a comedian, whatever. I don't know. So it's just this night, all right, they've got wrestling on tonight. So they might not be wrestling fans, but because you've got that basic of he's a good guy, he's a bad guy, this guy's kept with the microphone and told everyone to shut up. Oh, we don't like him, so we're booing. Oh, this guy comes out and he's going to fight that guy. All right, let's cheer this guy. And it is very basic, but it's so good for, like you say, getting those reps in. It's so good for working, being in front of a live crowd, being able to wrestle matches, being able to wrestle matches with guys who've got so much experience. So it's really good. And NGW in the northeast was the school that um like that was the that, that was the closest school to me and it was one of the best schools in the country as well. So that's what um got me back into wrestling in end of 2016, like very end of 2016, like end of September, October time. Um 2016 is when I found found that and went to that. Where did the name come from? So Shreddy, Shreddy Breck. Because for as long be. as I've known you, you've either been Shreddy Breck or just Shreddy. Shreddy. Yeah, yeah. So it's more Shreddy now, um as opposed to Shreddy Breck. But it came because my mate who messaged me calling Drew a Jabroni. Um <laughs> He always used to message, uh, he would always ask me like fitness advice, workout advice, blah, blah, blah. I would tell him, he would ignore me, but six weeks later, <laughs> he would tell me, oh, I just watched this guy on YouTube and they said I should do this. I was like, yeah, I told you that two months ago. I told you that six weeks ago. <laughs> so I just, on like a flippant remark, I was like, right, I'm going to make a YouTube channel and then you'll start listening to me. And there was a box of ready break on my desk. I was like, right, I'm going to call myself Shreddy. And it was just literally that. And just that's, that. That's how, it, that's how it came about, yeah. And that was the name. And I was From like, Red oh, I like that name. And then I started wrestling. Um, were there any names on the cutting room floor that you kind of, when you were bouncing around ideas that no, didn't so, happen? No. So when I started training, so I was doing YouTube videos and like bodybuilding and fitness and just like vlogging and stuff as the Shreddy Breck channel. But it was like, oh, hey guys, I'm Adam from Shreddy Breck. So me and was Adam, but the channel so was So the Shreddy channel Breck. was called Shreddy Breck, but you and were Adam, Adam from yeah. Shreddy Breck. Oh, okay. So then when I started training... Um, I don't know how we found them, but Rory Coyle um, was also training at the same school. And he somehow came across me YouTube videos and was like, oh, this guy can talk. And that's kind of what struck up a bit of a relationship from us. And because he'd seen these YouTube um, videos, oh, this guy's got like a bit of charisma, he can talk, whatever. That Shreddy Breck name, it then just became of like, all oh, right, well, I am Shreddy Breck. And that's how the name mm -hmm. came about. And then the rest, the wrestling name persona was shreddy breck um but then even people in the gym before i started wrestling would start calling me shreddy anyway because they knew i did my videos and stuff so i started wrestling as shreddy breck but there was no names that i've left on the cutting room floor because i was just always like shreddy but there has been certain places i've wrestled that don't like the shreddy breck name right so when people say that to me, i'm like right just call me something different then that's not if if me being called shreddy breck is going to cost me a booking. 
we'll just change the name. I'm still me. I'd still act the same. We're still the same person. We can just change the name. So I dropped the most places. I've dropped the Breck and it's now Shreddy. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, it's not a shoot name. Like some places like a first and a set, like a second name. But it's just something different. And mm. if it was, you know, all oh, right, you can go and work Noah in Japan, but you have to change your name. Okay, change my name. I don't care. Yeah. I'll go out. I'll still be Shreddy. I'll still act Shreddy. But if you want to call me something different, just call me something different. It's, you're, not, you're not hung up on it. No, no, I used to be. I don't. I used to because I felt like, oh, well, without Shreddy, bro, without Shreddy, what am I? Like, but coming back from lockdown, I'm much more comfortable and confident with like this persona and this like who I am as a wrestler. The name's almost irrelevant. Like, I've, I've worked shows. If I had to change my name, um, I've worked shows where I'm called Atlas Adams. Mm. And to me, that's like a cool name. That's like, a cool it's name. It's a name. It's a surname. So it can be like, right, Atlas, Shreddy, Adams. Or because I've got the Jack Sack Daddy, like Monica, it can just mm. be the Jack Sack Daddy, Atlas Adams, and that's fine. Like, But if oh, I, I could control it forever, I would say, I would keep Shreddy in there somewhere, whether it's the Jack Sack Daddy, Atlas, Shreddy, Adams, or just the Jack Sack Daddy, Shreddy. Like, I would keep Shreddy, but... I'm not hung up on keeping it, if that makes sense. First time I saw you, um, it was in a tag team yeah. with Big Lou Nixon, yeah. um, uh, MMA fighter Big yeah, Lou yeah. Nixon, uh, as England's hardest man at yeah. HM. Yeah. Uh, you would come out to uh, Casey the Sunshine Band, yeah. which always got us popping. Yeah. Talk about developing that team. So that came about because in real life, and you might have to bleep this word out. Will that cause too much problem if I say it for a beep? Depends what the word is. I mean, for you to go back and scrub through just to put a beep in. Ah, it's fine. It's in real life, fun. I'm a bit of a daft cunt. As oh, you say cunt, that's oh, fine. Right, that's fine. It's, yeah. it's podcast, it's Patreon, okay. it's fine. Right, so yeah, it's in fine. real life, I'm just very immature, people might say. I just, you know, like, I am what I am. Um, Lou is a shoot... Um, like cage fighter, MMA fighter. I um, come from this bodybuilding background, but I'm not a shoot fighter or anything like that. So many people in wrestling, and this isn't me burying British wrestling, I don't just single it to British wrestling, so I'm not talking about anyone in particular. But I think it's just that thing in wrestling where so many people are hung up on being presented as like this super hard, super tough guy. And it's like, right, if that's what you want to be, go and take up boxing or MMA and prove that you are like in a real shoot setting, mm. this hard guy that you are kind of... If it means that much to you, yeah, to be seen in that way. So we came up with this England's Hardest Men name as a complete spoof parody or whatever, kind of like taking the piss a bit out of like that stereotype of like hard, like people pretending they're hard or people who legit think they're hard, but they're not, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny because when we first, before we debuted on shows, there was people at training who I would happily bury these, but I don't even want to name them. <laughs> I literally, I, would, I don't even want to name them. That's like how much they piss me off, but who caused a lot of shit for me and Lou when we were very first set. But literally before we even got on shows, they just saw like, because they were already on shows, not really doing much, no gimmick, no character, anything like that. Me and Lou weren't on shows, but we had at least something. We had we weren't ready to wrestle on shows. We weren't good enough to wrestle on shows, but we had this. We were a character on North for months before we wrestled. Yeah, because we had something. This England's hardest men kind of skit character persona, whatever it might be. So we were able to get like a foothold in some promotions to start with, and uh, it was Lou was like the straight shoots 
like the actual hard guy and me as the gobshite um, oh. pretending that like we're a hard man. It would be me running my mouth getting us into trouble, but I think I'm a hard man. But it was like Lou was the actual um, hard one. What was the question again? Sorry. I think uh, I the, uh, this, <laughs> it's the story behind building this team. So the story behind building it. You say, sorry, that's the story. Yeah. There. It was kind of taking the piss out of that stereotype. And it was something that me and Lou could bounce off each other. And it gave us, because we weren't ready to be on shows, mm-hmm. as in wrestling, but we could do spots, we could do like promos. We were a character and we were able to do something. So when we were ready to actually have a match, the fans already had an idea of who we are, the cares about us a little bit. But yeah, it kind of came about just of that. I don't want to say it was a parody, but it kind of was, if that mm. makes sense. It was, um, it kind of arced back to sort of wrestling of like the 90s, which was very personality led. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Just, and, and do you think, because you mentioned there that there were people who were upset with the fact that you guys got put onto shows. Yeah, and yeah. Is, is it because, as you say, whilst you weren't ready in ring, yeah. you had a, something marketable that people wanted to market? It probably, I think it's, and I've, when I very first started wrestling, I was told by my legit mates in wrestling, people hate you or people will hate you. I was like, why? And they were like, you'll find out. And I was like, eh? Like I started wrestling properly when I was 26. So I'd already had my career. I was working in the shoot, like shoot job. And I was like, eh, that's just saying like, why would, like, I'm not doing anything to anyone. Why would somebody hate, like, not just to dislike me. Cause I understand you can just dislike people. You don't get mm. on with people. I was like, why would someone hate me? I just didn't get us. I think it's because you have people who, have been around for however long and they can't get on shows outside of their area or the struggle to get bookings or whatever, no matter how much they go training or whatever. And for whatever reason, they're not being used. So when they see somebody coming newer, getting used, it's easy to just go, he's a prick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I hadn't done anything to these people. But All you've done just, is come in and get on. Just come in, like you do your own thing. And I wasn't, I by no means was pretending I was a good wrestler. Even now, I always joke to some of my mates about it, like, I'm not a good wrestler. And I think I'm harsh on myself with that. But, but I never once made out as if, like, I'm a mint wrestler, I'm a mint worker. Because, like, why would you go on like that in the first place anyway? But I think it was just one of those things, because, like, you said, I came in, was able to have something about me that promoters wanted to use. And it was like, well, why are they getting on? Why are they getting booked? And these same people would say, well, what, in, what is England's hardest men? Why, what makes you England's hardest men? And it was like, before we debuted on shows, I think people probably just heard the name and were like, ah, these pricks, they think they're hard cunts. And then when we debuted on shows and they saw it was like a comedy thing, they were just like, ah, oh, that's nothing like what we're expecting at all. Mm. And it was like, give us a chance to actually show it and do what it is before you start burying us. It's, it's, must be frustrating when all you're doing is coming in and cracking on. Yeah, it is massively. And it, I had some problems when I very first started training because of, and I think it's because I came with a bit of a physique. And again, that was one of those things where a promoter might see a physique and be like, right, I'm going to put him on my poster. I'm going to book him without me having, like, they've never seen me wrestle, but like, oh, he looks like a wrestler for that casual audience. You've got some parents walking down the high street oh, that looks like the wrestling because he looks like a wrestler. Mm. And that, uh, again, like some of my earliest were bookings were based on how I looked. And I don't see that as a negative. Some people would use that as like a, like a negative against me. Ah, oh, Shreddy's only books of how he looks. 
yeah, motherfucker, like... <laughs> I'm getting that, booked. Like, I'm, I'm going to warn that, like... Don't know what you're going to say, I'm getting booked. Yeah, like, it's... Oh, what's... Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I won't take the booking. Yeah, or I, I, I'll suck going to the gym. I'll start yeah. looking like shit. Like, I don't know what you want. And that may sound arrogant to people, but... No, it's, it's one of those things where a lot of the a lot of issues that people have with other people come back to issues they have with themselves. Yeah, it's like, they don't look good, so I'm going to bury this person because he looks better than and me. And what's weird is, is that with wrestling, like, you live... We live and breathe it so much that if you're in it, you almost lose sight of the fact that why aren't I getting booked? Why yeah, is that yeah. guy who looks like a wrestler getting booked to book yeah, me? I just that. don't get it. It's like it's how do you like and I think get so lost in your own, up your own arsehole I think in some occasions. It, it, you, you hit the nail on the head there. But I think now when you say like, oh, because he looks like a wrestler, you'll have people on Twitter going, well, what does a wrestler look like? What does a wrestler look like? That guy. And it's like, <laughs> because they're so ingrained in... <clears throat> They're, they're the hardcore audience. Mm. So to them, like smaller guys who don't look athletic, can 100% they can still be good good wrestlers. Kevin Owens does not look like an in-shape guy. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. No. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. But he has got he's one of the best wrestlers in the world because he's probably one in 10,000 people. The problem is when you see, you have fans with it, right? Kevin Owens doesn't look in good shape. I don't need to be in good shape. But what they're forgetting is they don't have his charisma. They can't talk like Kevin Owens. Mm. They don't have his wrestling ability. They're not good athletes. They just see it like, oh, well, Kevin Owens has got, maybe he's a bit of a belly. Kevin Owens doesn't have big arms. Neither do I. I can be the next Kevin Owens. No, you can't. Like, no. you, you cannot, like, at all. But I think because you do have certain talents who don't look like the traditional, stereotypical, in-shape wrestler, you have more people now kind of go, but what does a wrestler look like? What does a wrestler look like? And that's fine. Wrestlers need to look diverse. But I think what you mentioned there is like, when you're so ingrained in it yourself as a wrestler, and then it's almost that thing of like, why does that wrestler who looks like a wrestler get booked? <laughs> because you've probably got a family who don't know what, India, their only knowledge of wrestling is WWE. The yeah. pros can't name who the US champion is or who the tag champions are. But they know, oh, that's John Cena. Oh, oh that's Ro Roman Reigns or whoever. They're walking down the high street. They see a poster for wrestling. There's people on there who look kind of like the guys they see on TV. Oh, I'll take the kids out because they'll enjoy it. So if a promoter wants to see me and, oh, right, Shreddy looks like that guy. I'll put him on the poster. Mm. So you'll probably have people who then think, right, why is Shreddy getting these bookings? And I'm not. And I 100% hold my hands up like, yeah, a lot of my early, my persona, the Jack Sack Daddy character, persona, whatever you want to call it, is based around I look better than other people. And people don't like that, which is why I get booed. That's like, that's, it's at the most basic level. I'm exploiting that, which is what, you know, that's why I get on shows because people can boo that. And that's what my job is when I'm on a show to get booed. But that wasn't initially the case because when, like I said, when I first go back to Ignis Highest Men, when I first saw you, you guys were incredibly popular. Yeah, yeah. And when a heel turn came around, yeah. I got a sense of a reluctance from you to, to yeah. pull the trigger. 100%. So, so talk me through that. Well, Peek behind the curtain here, yeah. So this was the <laughs> this was the brainchild of uh, Andrew Bowers, North Wrestling. And um when he wanted to turn me heel, I was like, oh, I don't know. Because like, in my head I was like, I won't be a good heel. I just Is that is that why there was a reluctance? Like you didn't think you'd be very good at it? Yeah, be, yeah. I, because I think I was so 
I was new into wrestling, but I was so, I don't want to say comfortable, I was so used to being a babyface, mm. and that's all I kind of knew. And it was, like, I'll use North as an example. Very quickly, we got cheered, and the crowd could have booed, and we'd have went, we, when we came as England's hardest men, the crowd could have maybe booed us, and if they did, we'd have went with that, and we'd have we thought, right, let's get as many boos as possible. But the cheers, and then the next little spot we do, the cheer more. Then we do a little video package and the like it. And it's like, right, we've got something here, so let's keep doing. So because we'd had in the limited time I'd been in, we were getting good reactions. I was like, but this is working. And if we change it, it's not gonna work. I don't know what I'm gonna do. If like I'm a heel, so I was like, oh fuck, I don't know, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so Bowers, it's say <laughs> Bowers, if he is watching, oh, he will you can be. clip this and tag him in it. He will be. Called me a natural heel. He said, <laughs> I've, I've scrolled back enough or there'll be a message somewhere. He said, Shreddy has natural heel tendencies. What a, <laughs> how right he was. How fucking but right does he that, was. Does that, because you wear your heart on your sleeve with so much of your stuff and you're so proud of what you do and, and who you are and how like, I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm not here to take a spot. I'm just here to do what I do. Does that still sting a little bit when you go, I'm not trying to be a bad guy, but here's a guy who says, I'm very blatantly hateable. I think... Does that sting a little bit? I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Going back to that thing of like when I first broke in and people were like, people will hate you. If that was me five, six years ago, I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, they probably would. But now, when someone says I'm a natural heel or I've got heel, a natural heel tendency, I know exactly what they mean because one, how I look, it's easy for me to walk out in front of a crowd, in 18 plus crowd, all drunk. Maybe they don't go to the gym as I would call the North fans, skinny fat asses. <laughs> it's easy for me to walk out and be a prick and for them to boo me. So it's like, yeah, I can see there's like, for certain crowds, it's like, yeah, this it's easy for me to be hated by certain kinds of people. So what I love with North though, is that when, again, to go back to when I first saw you, like people just, was there was nothing but love. Yeah, and now yeah, yeah. you've you've crafted what you've done so much. <laughs> you don't even need to say anything. <laughs> you just need to be in the room. If I could have that reaction. Every single show I go to, I would fucking. I watched you take up. three steps onto the ramp. Yeah. And the whole show's had to stop because for four minutes, people are chanting Shreddy as a cunt. Yeah. Like, and all you've done is walk onto the ramp. It's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not blowing smoke. Yeah, I was sat yeah. there as it happened, going, yeah, yeah. our timing's a fuck now. <laughs> oh, believe me, the one match I've had at North where I go back. I've had a message from Bowers. Sorry to interrupt you. I've had a message from Bowers where he said, We're running low. We're running late. Just rush through the announcements. Yeah, yeah. But I feel reticent to stop yeah. the Shreddy as a cunt chance I, that ring out for minutes and minutes and minutes. And yeah, I feel like is, I don't want to stop them because yeah, it's very right. good. We're now there. It's like, I can <laughs> try and fault. stop them. Shows run late, it's your fault. But you try and stop them, they don't walk. So yeah. it's like, motherfucker, what's the point? I'm just that much of a natural heel, as Bowers called me. But um, it's, this, the reaction and what I've done at North is the proud, like it's the best achievement or the, the stuff I'm proudest of the most because North was really the first show that gave me a chance way before I belonged in a wrestling ring to wrestle. They're the ones that allowed me to be a character. They're the ones that introduced me to an audience. Then off the back of that, other places saw me and I will use them. But what I've been able to do at North, like that was what got me into, like 
that's what opened the door for everything else that followed it. Yeah. And over the years, obviously, I've had to improve, get better. It's not just a case of me showing up once every six weeks and being like, oh, we've got this fear, we've got this fear. Like, I've had to improve as well. It's not just as easy as walking in and, all oh, right, Shreddy, you're doing this and then you do it. Like, that match with Warhorse, um, mm. there was people, like, on Twitter and that night and, like, Bowers, I think, even said it to me, like, that was match of the night for him. So to hear that from where I was, like, 2016, 17, when I wasn't a good wrestler at all. So then to hear the promoter say, for me, that was match of the night, like that's class to show like how much I've improved, but then also for that fan interaction, like, and uh, yeah, it's a wrestling podcast. We know like wrestling entertainment, so I can talk only mm. about it. Like whether you're getting cheered or booed, it's your job to go out and just entertain yeah. the audience. So it's like, I'm so appreciative of the opportunity that Bowers has given me. I'm so appreciative of the North platform, but of the fans who engage with that as well. Cause I could go out and they could just be like, if they truly didn't like me, they wouldn't make noise. Mm. But it's the fact that like they give me so much of a good reaction, which allows me to put on a better performance for them. It's like the stuff I'm probably most proud of in wrestling. And you are getting around a lot more because um, we've seen you pop up in numerous other promotions. Yeah, but sort yeah, of, yeah. what is the what's the plan going forward? Because the UK wrestling scene is quite an interesting one at the moment. So my plan, I got into wrestling back in 2016 because I went to FWWE. Yeah. And that's still the plan now. Like I didn't get into it for it just to be a bit of fun on a weekend or just as a hobby because it's too much of a commitment to be a hobby. Wrestling is too much mm. of a co commitment. It's too much of a head fork, uh, physically too much of a time sink just to be a bit of fun. For me, it's to live out that childhood dream of I want to be a WWE wrestler. And that's why I got into wrestling originally. Um, obviously now, the landscape's changed. I had NXT UK. Now that's gone and it's changing NXT Europe. But the goal for me is still I want to work for WWE. And there'd be other indie wrestlers who might not think that's cool. Like, you know, there's that stereotype among some people who, ah, oh, WWE's not cool. Or, that's why I got into it. Because when I was a kid, it was my dream to be a WWE wrestler. And that's still my goal and dream now. Obviously, the end of NXT UK kind of changes the the platform a little bit because yeah. I, you know, I always thought that it might be somewhere that you shine. Uh, well, um, <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> Has there ever been any sort of any any headway in that section of working a for WWE? Like a little bit, but you're allowed to talk about. I've never had a tryout. Like mm. I've, I, you know, one of my goals was to get a tryout. One of my goals was to get a tryout for NXT UK. NXT UK has been and gone and I, I failed. I didn't get the tryout. So in my head, I do see that as a failure because I didn't even get a tryout with them. Mm. Um, there was obviously a reason for that. Maybe it's the thought I wasn't ready. Maybe there was no opportunities. So that's fine. But now that NXT UK is gone, they're obviously going to be launching NXT Europe. It's like, okay, that never happened. What can I do to hopefully get a trial for NXT Europe? What can I do to get on NXT Europe? Um, and I speak to guys, I'm getting advice, and I'm trying to do everything that I'm being told to do. So it's just that case of, I think William Regal always says that like wrestling doesn't owe anyone anything. Mm. And I believe that, but I'm working towards what I want. And without putting that work in, I'll never get it. So all I can do is keep doing what I'm doing. You're on the network now then? I am on the network. I'm on yeah. progress. Yeah. You can search Shreddy now and there you yeah, are. There you go. If you search Shreddy, does it come up? I think so. Does this? I don't think I'd have a pro. I'd have a tryout. I'm going to try it. There'll be see. someone at home who already knows the answer to this, Tom. There, somebody watching this. There'll be, there'll be at least three people. There you go. That have already tried it. That's like all the people watching this podcast. 
<laughs> and many more now. Yeah. Why? They after but you. Wanted, so it was actually, um, I think it was uh, formerly known as Will Charlton, a.k.a. Rich Swift, the referee. Um, he was the one who actually told me that it's on the network now. So I went and found the Progress show. Um, and there I was on the network. You're not coming up. Oh, that's a really sad ending. They failure. It's, like, it's, like, it's, it's a failure. It's at the end of episode failure. one of Welcome to Wrexham when they, when they lost the playoffs. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not quite that. But you're on there. I'm on that's there. the important bit. Progress. Go and watch it. Mm. You'll see that we're not lying. I am on the network. That's a, but that's a real, but you know, we talk, let's, let's talk about the failures. More the successes. Like progress is, a, is an incredible. Oh, massive. Yeah. Like, so this, I think I put something on Twitter the other day about this, like, it's easy. And again, it goes back to what we said when you're so caught up in wrestling. Like, what I'm doing now in wrestling, five or six years ago, I would be over the moon with what I'm doing. Mm. But now I've got it, and it's just the norm to me. Like, yes, I'm on shows most weekends, or I'm doing this show, I'm doing this show. Like, but I'm not. My goal is do it a So unless I get to do it a re, mm. if I ever stop wrestling, I'll see that as I feel like wrestling. Whereas really, I should look at it as like, right, if you told me, when I, my first day of training, if you told me, Adam, you're going to be wrestling on progress I'm like no I'm not I'm not going to do that and then I've done it Mm -hmm. like that should be and I am happy about this but it's just easy to get caught up in what you're not achieving and be harsh harsh on yourself and I'm guilty of that like all the time like alright because I've not got an NXT UK because I'm not in WWE um, I'm failing whereas really should be like right I've just done progress I'm a regular at North I'm a regular at TNT I've got this show I've got this show like I should be able to be focus on those positives rather than just focusing on the negatives. Mm. But it's easier said than done. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if that's just for rest. I think that, you you know, you might look at that when you were working in radio, but why is this guy on that show? Oh, and yeah. This. Like, All the time. You, you've done Heart, you've done BBC. Like, if I said, oh, I know someone's a BBC radio presenter, they'd be like, oh, fucking hell, like, they'd be impressive. Yeah. But your problem is like, I don't know what the hierarchy is of BBC radio and stuff, but like, what's what's the big show? In, oh, it'd be the breakfast show. Right. Have you ever done that? Uh, I've done every other show apart from that one. So you, like, <laughs> when you were in radio, you might think like, I'm not on the breakfast show. Like, what? Like, I'm not on the breakfast show. Yeah. And that That's might have been one. a hang up for you, whereas you've done all this other stuff, which mm. is amazing. But it's like that one thing you haven't done, it almost like consumes you. Yeah. It, and it's, so it's not just, just wrestling, it's like you at the radio, it's people, you're just in your normal nine to five jobs, like this person's a manager, why man? Like people will have it all the time. They can't be happy with what they've got. You should be happy with what you've got and strive, always strive for more, mm. but try and be happy with what you've actually achieved. But it's easier said than done. How are you getting on with that? With? At being happy with what you've achieved and not it swings and roundabouts. Like when I got progress, when I got the booking confirmation of progress, I was over the moon. I was buzzing. Mm-hmm. When I wrestled, over the moon buzzing. I've got ICW. ICW and progress I was trying to get on for so long. And because I wasn't on them, I was like, again, I'm a failure because I'm not on ICW and progress. People would message me, oh Shreddy, you're you're all over, you're dead busy. And I'm like, Yeah, it's just like how you're perceiving me. Like, I'm not on this show, I'm not on this show, I'm not on this show, so I'm failing. But then I got on progress, I got nice, and I was buzzing. But then it's almost like, right, I've done that, what's next? Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I am happy, but it's almost like, okay, I've done that, but right now, what's next? Like, I've been on progress once, how can I get back there? How can I become a regular on progress is like the next kind of like milestone or the next little goal to have. What's next is for here, at least, is your third and final match. Third match, okay. So, so what have we got then? Let's so a reminder, the four-way from WrestleMania 16. Yes, banger that right. was. Yeah, yeah. Van Damme Cena from one, from one Night Stand. Yeah. Uh, what's your third one going to be? So there's two matches I want to oh, pick. Oh, 
always got to pick one. I will pick Tell one. us the two that you're struggling okay, with. Okay, there's the two I'm struggling with. Austin Rock, 17. Okay. Hogan Rock, 18. Ooh. And Hogan, so a little bit like the RBD Cena, mm. the crowd is what makes so much of Hogan Rock. Yeah. In terms of a match, Austin Rock. But because the atmosphere and the crowd, like Hogan Rock would get it on that. So to pick one, I'm probably going to go Austin Rock. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like as big as Hogan Rock was, Austin and Rock was like the peak of my childhood. Yeah. Whereas Hogan... Again, because I didn't watch WCW much as a kid. I knew Hogan was this mega, huge mega star. Yeah. But the, as a child... You didn't know Hollywood Hogan. Or like, why, yeah. is, why is Hogan coming out to view yeah. the child? And why is it all black and white? And it was like... Rock Rock Austin, two biggest stars in the business. Like, as big as Hogan is, Rock and Austin are bigger than mm-hmm. Hogan. At least I think so. Um, so, yeah. Rock, Austin, WrestleMania 17. And again, because... Like I said, wrestling was always part of my life, but that late 90s, 2000, when my brother was watching it with me, then the year after, you've then got Rock uh, Rock Austin at WrestleMania 17, the year after the Fatal 4 way, it's like that build-up, and it's like I was just bang straight. Like So like as a kid, that was what defined me almost, like watching mm-hmm. wrestling as a kid. Um, so I would go with Rock Austin as my next match. What's a moment from that match that even though you've seen it 100 times, yeah, still yeah, pops yeah. you? So the obvious one is obviously the 10, but I think what gets me even more is towards the end of the match when The Rock is kicking out of stunner after stunner Mm. after chair shot until finally Austin just fucking kills him with the chair. And it's like, when you're just seeing that over and over and over and over again, it's like... That's a hell of a finish. Yeah, yeah, it's class. So I would say that the, finish, like the bit that pops me, yeah, yeah. just bedroom with the chair. It was the co- the commentary for me as he's battering him, and JR goes, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pins him, and Paul Heyman, it's a new champion. Yeah. Like, ah, oh. it's just done a deal with the devil. It's struck a deal with the devil. Yeah. Sold a soul to the devil. Ah, oh. um, thoughts on the heel turn in Texas? So again, as a kid, two things. As a kid, it's obviously different to what I think now. So as a kid, The Rock was my guy. Then, mm. as much as I liked Austin. When it's Rock versus, all right, I want Rock to win. Yeah. So seeing Austin do that, it's like, what the fuck? Like, Austin hates um, Vince. What, like, what's it done? Intrigue as to, like, what's going to come next. Um, and then again, as a kid, because kids are stupid, we just buy it. <laughs> so, like, when I was a kid, it's like, yeah, I don't think of the ins and outs. I don't have the, I don't have the brain power to think about complex storytelling. It's just like, all right, they didn't like each other, but now he's just helped them become the champion. So that that's that's as simple that's all I need mm. as a as a dumb kid. Going back and looking at it now, and like you've had Lord from GR on his podcast and stuff like that. And I think even um Austin says he looks back and he wishes he called an audible and after the handshake, he wishes he just stunned Vince in the ring. I enjoyed Hale Austin during that time frame for the comedy bits. Yeah. The stuff he was doing with Kurt Angle, the stuff he was doing with the invasion. Like for just entertainment, oh, that was funny, that was funny. But, like, as an overall, that complex storytelling, it didn't make sense. Like, looking back at it now, it didn't make sense, but it's easy to look back at stuff and go, oh, well, they should have done this or they should have done that. Like, at the time, 
Austin was the big star for so long. They had The Rock, who was also a huge like baby face. Because The Rock was getting cheated in Austin's hometown. Mm. It was in um, Texas, but The Rock wasn't getting booze. The Rock, it was like, I would want to say it was like a split crowd. There was more for Austin, but it wasn't like a clash where everyone was booing Roman. Yeah. The Rock was a face in that match. There still. was some, there was, it was very, it was partisan Austin, but there was still like some love for The Rock. There. Yeah. It wasn't like, so the year after, when he wrestled Hogan, The Rock was a heel in yeah. that match. He went in as a face, but the crowd treated him as a and heel. They, and they just worked it into the, the match, didn't they? The crowd The Rock still as a face in that match. So that shows you how big of a like face like um, mm. the, the Rock was. And obviously they turned Hogan in WCW from face to heel and that massive business for them. So it's like, well, on paper, like, oh, this is going to be mint because we're taking our biggest star, we're taking him heel. But he was just, I, I say this to, I said this, to Rory at North when we came back after lockdown and he turned heel or he was planning to turn heel I was yeah. like I said they're not going to boo you it's going to make when Austin turned heel because at set like certain people with certain crowds they just don't want to boo them they just want they yeah. just like them that much like it doesn't matter what they do they're just going to cheer them and that was obviously what happened with Austin for so long. He just kept getting cheered, even when he was a heel still, and then eventually started getting the booze. It was. It took a while, like, to, for him to really, like, find his feet again. And we've we've watched it week to week. Me and Matthew Gregg on the Classics Smackdown review, and like how he starts off as like this uber aggressive heel, and yeah. no one's buying that. Yeah. And then he just becomes a bit of a chicken shit. Isn't he? Yeah. And like, so I think for me, one of the the things that stands out to me is when he started getting proper heel heat was when he braid later with the chair. Yeah, that start, yeah. absolutely went mental with Lita on the chair. That was like, right, this is like, he's really... Because when, until he becomes like a chicken shit, Mm. people, because they've seen Austin be like that anti-authority figure for so long, they love it. So he becomes this heel, but he's still a badass. So people like the badass. Yeah. So they had to kind of get rid of that bit and make him like like the guy that hugs Vince, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. a petition signed to get out of but a match me, and stuff like that. But it's not like it's entertaining because it's funny. Mm. But is that the best in terms of like drawn mega money? I, I don't know. I'm not that was that was the I'm issue. Was at this, at this point in time, like WWF wasn't making a whole lot of money. Yeah, and whether or not it was the best thing, I don't know. They kind of maybe thought it was more of a conduit to create more stars. Yeah, but the company was just in a really weird, it was a snake bit roster at that point. It was as it was, yeah. So I think it was still really popular at seventeen, but then quickly as two thousand went on, because WCW being bought not long. Mm. Prior to WrestleMania, something was like the week before. It was. It was pri- I think it might have been days. Before. I think it was the Raw before the go the go home show yeah, was was the WCW um, like simulcast one. But yeah, then as that went on, it was just like it was almost like that boom period had died. Or it was quickly died. It's very much. It's very much remarked as the end of the Attitude Era. Yeah, that WrestleMania X Seven is like the full stop. Yeah. Of that, and then on to something new from yeah, there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm. And this feels like a nice place to full stop with you, sir. Full stop. Um, genuinely delighted to have had you on today. No, this been has a, been, been a fun chat. It's been a lovely time now. People are going to want to find out more about the journey that you're on. Yeah. So yeah. how can people find you? What you got coming so, up? So um, on Twitter, so I'm probably most active on Instagram, but Twitter and Instagram, Shreddy Breck Jim. Um, you can follow me on there. I've got my own YouTube channel, but I'm not as active on there. Um, no, just on time, but Shreddy Breck YouTube channel. But what I've got coming up, um, got the universe, bodybuilding wise. Coming yeah, up so, like, so that's when's Mr. Universe happening? November the 5th. Yeah. Um, as of when we're recording this, this weekend, we've got North coming up and wrestling mm-hmm. Joe Hendry on that. 
Uh, and then as the rest of the year goes on, big shows coming up, um, the TNT shows and um, debuting at ICW in October, which nice. I'm really looking forward to. Nice. So we, we, it's busy, could be busier. Could be busier. We'd like it to be busier. We'd like it to be busier, but um, yeah, busy-ish. I like to end on this little question. So uh, let's go back in time with everything that you know now. Yeah. Let's go back in time and there's there's a very young Shreddy sat with his brother. Uh, they've watching WrestleMania tape from the night before, the yeah. four-way, you fast-forwarded to the four-way. You can you can step in with all the knowledge you have now yeah. and give yourself one piece of advice to take you forward. Oh, fucking hell. Oh. I was supposed to think about that. It's the air con. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have probably been not to have given up wrestling in like when I was 20 or 21 mm. when... Um, because I feel like if I stuck with it then, if I found a different school, I'd maybe be where I wanted to be by this point. Um, that's like obviously, you know, if I had a time machine, but mm. I can't change that. Um, so, yeah. Um, stick at it earlier. Stick at it earlier would have been the ideal yeah. scenario. But if I could go back and talk like that little... So for just before we do finish, my brother, when I got the worm off Scotty Tuarty, sent him the clip of that and he couldn't believe it he, he literally texted me back saying you live in your dream when I was a kid that Scotty Scotty Twatty was one of my was one of the biggest stars like Too Cool was one of the biggest like acts in wrestling taking the web was such a surreal thing because I remember Friday nights watching Raw Saturday mornings watching Smackdown the amount of times that I had my younger sister on the couch, I was hopping around <laughs> and then coming down doing the chop. And then like literally, what, 20 years later, like I'm there in the ring, taking that worm and the crowd's going, met me mates and messaging, couldn't believe it. Like my brother literally messaged me back saying you're living your dream. And it was like, yeah. So I suppose I was going to go back um, and say to myself, just stick at it. Cause it goes back to what we said earlier, like, I'm, it's easy to get hung up and like I'm not to be debris because that's my dream yeah. but I look at if I take a moment to think like fucking hell I was in the room with Scotty Twatty yeah. nine year old Shreddy my head would have fucking spun off if I knew that like I wouldn't have believed us and then there I was 20 years later doing that so get ready advice to answer your question enjoy what you're doing as you're doing it is the advice I would give to myself and at the brewery when Scotty does that final who roll out of the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> dodge the worm you've got plenty of time shreddy this has been lovely power handshake to end on look at look that, that bicep look at the striation that was a contraband on cultaholic island the state of that look at that cheapest these days having versatile clothing you can wear anywhere is a must that's why American Giant makes all sorts of versatile any-weather staples, hoodies, jackets, and more. Whether you're buying a gift or stocking your closet, you'll find just what you need. And it's all made right here in the USA. Find your new wardrobe staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code AnyStyle24 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code AnyStyle24. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 